Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Be Your Own Boss. For your business, if you are a business owner, the most important thing for your business is getting business, right? And how do you get business? Through marketing. Now, when it comes to marketing, there is a lot that goes into marketing. There is, and you can get easily confused with the with the kind of options that you have. It's not easy to figure out exactly what is needed to market your products, your services, in the correct way. So we have someone today with us who's going to help us understand all these things. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, our guest this week is Surbi Dedia. the founder of digital genie and also the founder of jotmybio.com and she's also a podcaster like me i mean not every day that you know i get to interview a podcaster like me so this is this is a very special interview let's welcome surbi surbi Thank you so much for taking our time and joining us here on the Be Your Own Boss podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Sachin. That was a very phenomenal uh, introduction. Thanks. So, Surbi, uh, let's start with, like we always do on mm-hmm. the Be Your Own Boss podcast, let's start with your your journey, your story, right from the beginning. So, tell us about your, your parents, your siblings your uh, childhood memories where were you born sure sure uh, i think that is a great question because uh, like your other uh, episodes i feel that you when you know a person from the very beginning you kind of understand uh, what he or she is saying so i'll keep it really short i was born in mumbai so i'm a mumbaiker as we call ourselves uh, in a nuclear family where education was always given a lot of priority and uh, and as a mumbaiker you are very uh, prone to hustling be it commute be it you know extracurriculars be it you know everything uh, is is quite a hustle like fast street smartness and all of that and uh, from the school days and back into um, you know uh, graduation i did bachelor's in master um, uh, management studies and i realized that uh, if i have a master's degree i would stand a greater chance to do better things you know so i went ahead and did an mba in marketing uh, but during my mba what was different is um i i did like a string of internships so i would re- literally divide my day into uh going to the college and the rest of the day i would actually work and that kind of was very different i think that i did then back then i, I mean although now it is quite a common place uh i did like uh designing packaging solutions for dhl that was my longest stint and then um i did uh, aventus pharma where i was researching for all the pediatrics what kind of gifts do they like to get from the pharma companies i did like a beauty salon what kind of magazines do uh, women like to read while they are waiting for their appointments things like that so that kind of opened my uh, curiosity a little bit more it gave me a lot more opportunities i got uh, placed after mba into an mnc for communications role and this is a very funny story actually where 
they didn't know what was this role supposed to do. They just hired me. So the first day I was actually sitting at the receptionist desk because she was away and I was doing her job. So, <laughs> so they hired you, but they didn't tell you what to do. They didn't know. They didn't know. Yeah, they didn't know because the hire, I mean, the requirement was actually a global requirement because it was a multinational. They were into B2B professional services consulting company and they just were running operations for, I think, close to six, seven years where then there was a mandate from a global headquarters that, look, you guys need to have somebody in communications. Mm -hmm. So they just hired and there I was at the receptionist desk handling everything else, (laughs) but communications but i think that is a pure communications role as well and isn't it it was in bombay and uh, after that um, you know uh, the trajectory went really chaotic i was on a roller coaster really because first to put put the foot in the door saying that what is communication like why are we doing this what is the role so there was this global manager that i was reporting to mm-hmm. and a local one where basically local you know the leaves and you know the variable pay and stuff purposes. admin purposes yes so the global mandates used to like the campaigns that they would run I had to literally localize it. And when I say localize in India, it is like the South is different than the North, than the East, than the West. So I had to build at a very rapid pace a lot more database of media people that would be interested in what I had to say. So writing press releases back in those days of press releases, um, you know, picking up the phone and you know, talking about the story that the journalist has written and saying that, hey, you can enhance it with this kind of data point or, you know, so those kind of things. Then um, the company's go-to strategy, uh, market strategy was by events. And actually, that was something that brought me to Singapore. So from Mumbai, I went to Singapore in, in, in this, within the what same company. No, 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 no. This was like a permanent position. Okay. They offered me because they, they were expanding in the region. So in in the past, I mean, in the beginning, it was literally like the India office was under the Asia Pacific and then India grew out on its own. Mm. So I got this opportunity to kind of go to Singapore and then events was their main uh, go-to-market strategy. So we would go ahead and make uh, put together events where we would position our analysts. Mm. And when the analysts would be on the stage talking about different research pieces they have done in their business units, uh, the clients would be listening to it and then there would be a good opportunity for them to discuss about things, understand where their business is growing. So this is all happening in early 2000s, right? So a lot more technology was coming in and people were all years for this kind of. And at the same time, because of my comms background, I was able to attract a lot of media Mm -hmm. to come to these events and cover the events and talk about it. So suddenly any event with this company would be like something people would really look forward to. And it also expanded into awards because then annually we were like looking up companies, how they've progressed and, you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. And come 2010, the media landscape has completely changed because then we have the LinkedIn, the Twitter and the Facebook of the world. And it was then a requirement for the company to think, look off, look at marketing at, at, at very differently. Mm-hmm. So that's when all the modern marketing, the birth of modern marketing was happening at that time. So now we had tools and um, uh, softwares which would actually map the customer journey. Like, what is he doing? He's, atten- he's come on to the event. He's subscribed to our newsletter. He's then gone to the website, checked things out. So 
from the marketing department, I was able to communicate to the sales that, look, next when you're talking to this customer, yeah. do X, Y, and Z. You yeah. see, so... I, I want to... Um, sorry to interrupt you, but I want to really ask you about this one because this is... Um, there's a... I mean, people think that, you know, custom the companies have their data, right? Mm-hmm. But when you look at the data of customers that you have, you may have, like, thousands of customers yeah. like you know hundreds and hundreds of thousands of customers so is it like you say you know you, you can't say this individual is behaving this particular way so this is what we need to target or or is that like a group of you know the, these thousand customers behave in this particular way is there a pattern to how, how do you how do you handle that so day? in just to set context <laughs> right in the past uh, people were just putting up websites to be found, right? Um, and this is like an, in the early 90s and late 90s, website was a big deal. Then newsletters became a big deal. Emailing became a big deal. But what was happening was that the head didn't know what was the hand doing and hand didn't know what was the leg doing. Literally, it was that. So with the advent of all these modern marketing tools, uh, we were able to actually real-time capture data of people. Now, to your question of how do you know out of thousands of people what this individual is doing is because you are tagging this. I mean, there is a lot of method to this madness, but to just, you know, give an audience, give your audience a perspective of what happens is you are actually tagging this person to an account and then you are uh, monitoring that account that you're going after. So, it's all based on now the cookie and the retargeting and all these are big terms. But in the early, early days, there used to be the science of just literally tagging, giving him a label that this person is from this business units of this company. Okay. So, and the company that I was working with had eight business units. So suddenly I was in a position to... I literally had the seat at the table. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just from doing the running, the planning the event and putting to an event together, now I was able to tell the sales teams that, look, some of these clients are not interested in the content. Some of these clients are very interested in this content. So now how are you going to go and approach them yeah. and talk knowledgeably? And you could tell who is who is what, like who's, who's interested, who's not interested. So it was based on their activity. Right. Uh, and of course, we used to meet them at the events that we used oh. to do it. So then there was this still the closing of the loop mm-hmm. to just check and balance that what you're doing on the Internet, on the digital is the same as physical or on site and off site, as people yeah. call yeah. it now. Yeah. And uh, th- and then how did your journey go after that? Like after Singapore? Yeah. Was- so so I was still in Singapore. I was doing this whole regional uh, this. I think uh, one of the greatest, um, you know, body of work that I developed was having building a global knowledge center, which I I had like 50 people who were with my team and uh, you know it was like a part of secondment so I went to Chennai developed this so we, we used to do this thing called as new newsletters were very big for us because ours was a knowledge-based business mm-hmm. and it was a very dynamic newsletter so now if you are in a healthcare business but you don't want to listen to everything else that we are doing you can literally get that and within the healthcare business if you are now only in India and you want to just understand Indian markets or Indian companies you can get only that so setting this thing up it's like literally a matrix a maze you know but just using the tools to kind of understand how do you match this person to this profile and you know how do you make sure that he gets what he's asking or something that we developed as marketing team and at the 
peak of it, we were 80 of us back end and the front end who was doing events, who were doing this modern marketing tools, who were talking to the sales teams, everything. So it was really huge operation, that machinery that was set up. And that experience actually uh, brought me to another opportunity in Singapore, but it was at a global level now. And this was like really building a marketing department ground up, like roll up your sleeves, do the dirty work, do rebranding, do everything required for this consulting company to, um, you know, kind of uh, listen to us and take notice of us. It was in building service cultures. We were helping businesses build service cultures. And within that role also, I I saw in reality the power of thought leadership because I I used to work and the the owner of this business, the consulting business was New York Times bestselling author Ron Kaufman. And he he was celebrity in the customer service already. So, but when he is he's developing his consulting, it was based on his brand. So now how do you build, differentiate another brand which he started but it it cannot be him it can it has to be somebody else who's running the show so that experience was really really interesting at a global level so built a network of partners uh, you know in different countries like as small as fiji and croatia to as big as united states of america to dubai so that that's when i used to come to dubai very often okay. and then um, we got my husband got a great secondment project and going back to my secondment to develop the team, I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity for him. He should absolutely take it. We were a young family and we grabbed that opportunity to come to Dubai for just two years. And we thought, oh, we'll go back to Singapore. Like like everyone. And everyone says that you come to Dubai, never go back. For just a couple of years, then you stay here for 20 years. That's my story too. Only two generations. (laughs) Yeah. So we are here seven years now. And uh, so in Dubai, what happened when I, the, the, the opportunity came by pretty fast and we had to kind of come here pretty fast. I had two little children under the age of five. So there was a lot of, lot of things happening. So suddenly from a global marketing director, I was like a homemaker and uh, in Dubai in a new place. And I, I thought, or so I thought that, oh, I have come to Dubai so many times. I can totally you know, fly because I know how Dubai works. But I forgot that I came in Dubai only between November and February. (laughs) I never came otherwise. Um, So that was a big uh, learning curve. And then I was giving interviews and looking for opportunities uh, in the marketing, B2B marketing space. Mm -hmm. Uh, Somehow one thing worked and it it didn't kind of roll off uh, very well. So there were these vendors that and my partners from the past, and they knew I was in the region. And they said, hey, you are here. Would you like to help me with this and that? And and then one thing rolled into another, and I found myself doing websites for somebody, strategy for somebody else. As and freelance projects? So like that, for- yeah, at that time, it was just project. And I was also thinking that it is just going to be a project. So I take this up, finish it, and move on. And yeah. I'll, I'll end up in a corporate world altogether. And while doing this, somebody signed me up for a year and I was like, okay, whenever time comes, I will tell them, I'll give them a month's notice and I'll say that, okay, look, I'm going to the corporate world. So those retainers were very strong and one retainer became two and two became five and it just rolled on and I was just a solopreneur really. And before I knew it, VAT came in and they said, where is the invoice? Like register, tax registration number and all that. So I had to do all that. And overnight, I had to literally think of a company name and all my years of branding and, you know, working to develop a brand 
came in handy because then you know i i could build my business name it correctly brand it correctly so it's like one thing led to another literally you, chain reaction i was an entrepreneur <laughs> literally in the next morning i wake up and i'm like entrepreneur seriously wow. this is amazing <laughs> yeah that was quite shocking very scary yeah. uh, didn't know and then i said you know the the thing that i kept telling myself if it doesn't work it's okay you can always quit you can go back it and you know it went on for a very long time till i realized that now i'm never going back yeah. because the joy that it brought and uh, the trials and tribulations it totally transforms you as a person uh, uh you know in terms of who you are what you're thinking the clarity it gives you of the purpose it brings to you so what were kind of the early day challenges once you when you started mm-hmm. like you know you registered your company and you officially are an entrepreneur yeah, i was a business yeah. yeah digital genie and then like what kind of challenges did you have in the beginning um many uh, so you know when i was doing projects it was just that i'm here to help you resolve this solution this issue and i'm going to give you a solution and move on right uh, so suddenly i was feeling much more responsible because now i have a brand to go by like a reputation to build website to build content to put it was just all it that serious <laughs> yeah it became really serious it was almost yeah. like you know we are dating and then suddenly an engagement ring and it becomes <laughs> Absolutely. committed yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was i was very committed to building it and uh, though the the cushion or the good part was that look i had already the clients who knew liked and trusted me mm. so they were able to i mean that part of business development didn't hit me mm. but otherwise everything else like understanding how the business works here the legal uh, pro- process of everything and you know and uh, just note that this was just in the second year of us living here so i was still under the impression that i'm going back so all the time i had this things in my head that okay if it doesn't work it's okay i will go back right like i had that um, guiding force but it kind of helped me to just propel because i knew even if i'm failing i'm failing and i'll go back do, do you think like the the pressure was less because less. of that yeah. you know because of the also the pressure was a little lesser because um uh you know between me and my husband so mm-hmm. you see the salary was coming in every month when i was in a corporate world and that independence and the confidence it gives you and when you're doing projects it's piecemeal although i had really fairly good amount of variety of projects as well as i had retainers so it kept it kept coming in and it sustained me for a while mm-hmm. what i didn't realize at that time was um covid was around the corner and what if it all cuts off then what mm. so i think in 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 the style of business building a business one you know what i was not trained or you know i was like a complete accidental entrepreneur i didn't think about planning contingency and when it came to losing all the retainers pivoting was so hard for me because i was like now what i cannot go back to anything there was no job there was no uh, business like retainers my clients although they were so good they kept on saying that we'll do little projects but we can't keep you on retainer and all that but you see now that you are doing so many things for a particular client and you get only a slice of it it's not you're not going to enjoy it right so yeah so that's what happened mm, in in march 2020 it was like mm. 
snipped off totally did you did you reach a point in your journey like mm-hmm. where you you decided to hire people and do, do you have a team right now yeah i do work with a um, so again that decision whether mm-hmm. to go solo or build a team and take overheads and uh, very early in the days i had there was just i think the earlier question that you asked me about um what all things did occurred like the the decisions on what project should i take because i was building a brand now i was building a reputation so i wanted to be known for certain things i couldn't be known for everything right so that also came in the decision where i am saying that okay do i hire everybody on the payroll or do i work with a great network of vendors that i have built over the years so when i was in as a global marketing director i have vendors that i've worked with for and they are very very um uh, what should i say uh, expert expert in their particular task in their so if i if i work with a web development guy he's the best he's just doing yeah. web development yeah. if he if that person is content writer he's just the content writer so you see i had that base that i i didn't feel really the need and you would outsource it to the the vendors yeah most of my clients again because they are smes they have uh, some or the other kind of marketing support so either there is a local agency or there are two two to three people on the team on their payroll so my role really is to you know integrate all of this for them and help them achieve the ROI the big picture thing yeah. thing that they are looking for so i i realized far ahead in time that you know i may not really go down the hiring and getting the overheads on me and thank god i didn't do that because i would feel totally uh you know at a at a loss when all my retainers were taken away from me yeah. i mean during covid it was this was one of the toughest decisions that entrepreneurs had to take yeah. uh, of of letting go of people Correct. and all that so because of because you worked on a outsourcing model you didn't have to do yeah that that thank god i i really think that and that has been like a thing that i've gone ahead even now that yeah. uh, and because as i said i'm mostly a, a fractional cmo for most of these clients that i work with then they are looking at outside in perspective rather than you know having somebody who comes with legacy like of overheads and stuff like that so it really works win win for me Yeah. And uh once you started like you know once you started getting your clients and like things started rolling up after covid once mm-hmm. things were you know um set up. So what kind of like how did you decide you know what projects to take what projects to not take because you you said that you know you had that you had that in mind that you want to be known for certain things and not mm-hmm. for all things. Right. How did you decide that and and how was saying no to a project? Oh. Like, you know like we say aati vi lakshmi ko na bolna is very difficult true 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 and this is a fantastic question i think for all those budding entrepreneurs out there i it is a trial and error uh, but if you know that you like something and it brings you the most joy just stick to it and i learned it the very hard way okay so when i left corporate and the, that accident till the entrepreneur that i was shaped into I did everything for everybody. So because you are at a global marketing director level when 
you are you have done like website development to running webinars to running a physical event to branding you you are like exposed to so many and you think i know all this yeah you know all this but does it bring you that joy does it give you that fulfillment because as a corporate person you're not thinking because you have a whole battalion behind you who is helping you uh, you know cover you that you just do your part right Isn't yeah that? yeah 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 you you just are you know orchestra like literally a conductor managing the show um at a, at that level that i was at and when i came here i was really alone so although i have these vendors they are all going to ask me for money right like i have to be able to show value to my client to be able to pay them as well as value to them to be able to fulfill their fees right so a uh, very hard way when when the vat registration happened and uh, i was like a proper business set up and all that it it brought me to a juncture of what am i taking on and uh, a lot of times uh, i have taken up like you know somebody like wanted to rebrand uh, their their business and they are an interior decorator company mm. it was exciting as an individual because i generally like the colors and the designing part of it but does that mean that is it going to add to the portfolio so now suddenly i'm thinking of business as an entity and thinking of what is it that i want to add to my um, you know catalog if you will uh, is that something that uh, my if i if i have a next client of this nature will an interior decorator is not going to appeal to sme so the clear answer is no yeah. right and since i was so much of a b2b uh, marketer in dubai suddenly the, the retail is very big here and um, uh, you know um, oil and gas and these certain industries are very big but retail and fnb especially are very b2c so i had to say no to these b2c as exciting as they seemed very colorful vibrant immediate results but i knew they were not for me for long term so i had to literally set up filters and funnel it down to really what i like to do and it brought me back to the point that look what i really enjoy is um orchestrating part like the conducting the whole thing so if that you have a market your marketing agency or a marketing team and if you are looking for an outside in perspective where you know you have done certain things but it's not working for you then i would love to integrate it all for you and show you how you can and literally in marketing it's it's proven that you don't need to do everything so if your competitor is doing like you know events and maybe that may not be your strategy you may want to do not every month an event you may want to do a podcast for example like yeah. uh, it's a very uh, hypothetical example but you know choosing what works for you allows me to talk to these owners business owners or you know c suite very mm-hmm. differently because going back to my story of when i had the seat at the table when all the modern marketing tools came and i was able to really voice out i realized seeing the business as a big thing first you look at and everybody wants business right as you yeah. just rightly said at the yeah. start of the episode that you want business you want leads so look behind and then go down that uh, rabbit hole whether it is sales it is marketing and you know you don't need to do everything really mm. Do, do you remember like any any particular uh, you know case or anything that you want to share where you know the the company came to you with a particular uh, kind of profile and then uh, how did you help them like how does your business mm-hmm. 
um, how does digital genie help businesses? That's what I'm trying to understand. Like, you know, how do you? Uh... Sure, uh, sure. I, I most of my clients, since I'm working with um, a lot of B two B, their um, their sales cycles are pretty long, and also. Um, because there are competing in nature with certain businesses, I'm always under an NDA. So for the purpose of this episode, I'm not going to take names. But yes. I think an example here makes most sense to kind of distinguish, right? Or give uh, like uh, like like more context to why am I saying not everything is necessary. So what happens is people think that, oh, social media. And I would want to be on every social media because there is Facebook ads and there is LinkedIn ads and Google AdWords. But I think what many people or men, when you start business, right, what you forget is who is it that you serve, like the persona of the customer. And uh, one of the clients that I've worked with, uh, they were like a 10-year-old running business. They recently got a great place to work. So a lot of people on the team were also um, there in the business for very, in the, with the company for a very long time. Uh, and then, you know, over a period of time, some kind of uh, lax attitude comes in. You're like, I know my job. I know my job. But um, what happened in this particular situation was that when I was telling them that, what is your brand tone? Are you very formal or are you casual? So that kind of, they were like, no, no, we don't talk about that. Let Talk to us about how are you going to, what is, how, what is going to be on our website and all of that. And they were at this juncture where they were uh, having only one business unit and they were expanding into different industry because they have proven it. They were into B2B professional services and they were expanding into different um, business units. And so, you know, dialing them all back into the start of it. And then that's when they discovered that, look, our website is just showing such uh, boring colors. It needs to be rebranded. So then what happens is I said, okay, now you have to choose whether you are going to rebrand right now and spend time rebranding or you are going to go out there and say that we are doing X, Y, and Z. It is a very tough dis decision because either you set the base right or you go ahead and pick and up all the... Yeah. yeah. So it was nice and interesting conversation where we did both eventually, but at their own paces. So first part was obviously to uh, understand, like build that whole content around who they are serving and, you know, which other businesses they want to get access to i mean expand to and then the next part was also to uh, you know build a very uh, interactive website because it is a service so finally they are not getting a product their customers are not getting a tangible product they will need to be educated and nurtured about how the service is going to impact their business so it took a lot of um, you know push yeah. to get it and also their marketing was only used to marketing is just thinking that I need to put a newsletter I need to put blog I need to do content because what happens is also for many small businesses they think content like and now with chat GPT and AI people have gone like bonkers if I could use this word to just put in more and more content yeah. but people forget to think uh, that you need an educational content. You need something to uh, excite the, I mean, talk about the industry, talk about how you, how this is going to help you. And there are different ways that you can, you know, put the content. You just need, don't need to sit in the echo cha chamber of just putting in more and more and more content. There could be very different types of content as well. 
So, Surbi, for for the for the business owners who are listening, for the mm-hmm. you know, or the the um, the executives who are in you know the officers who are listening to this, um, if they want to benefit from the services that you provide at Digital Genie, what's the best way to reach out to you, and uh, how do, how do they contact? You? Yeah. So earlier you mentioned um, I also am uh, running another small side hustle. Uh, actually, it's not a side hustle anymore. It's quite a jot my, big jot. My bio has yeah. become very big after COVID, or actually during COVID. So I think. Um, I would just dial back a little bit here and say how Jot My Bio came into being. So there was a time, like the dark ages, as I call it, COVID happened. Most of my retainers were snapped up and literally I had to think of how do I earn my next buck, right? So, uh, and now I'm an entrepreneur. I have a shop. I have a reputation to manage, right? So I decided to think through what I like doing the best. I love positioning people. I love telling stories of an individual, how he or she is doing what she's doing and why, right? So sometimes you can't even talk about yourself. If you ask me to talk, write my bio, I'm going to have... Uh, you are your best critic. Basically, everybody loves to criticize themselves the most. So it takes another person from outside to look at you and weave a story and position you out in the market. And as a marketeer, I love positioning a particular product, service, or person in this situation. So that's where Jot My Bio was born. And that time was a time where a lot of people were suddenly finding themselves jobless. And this business really took off because the price point of this business is uh, very uh, low. And it is a productized service. So it is just one thing I do for you. I just put your bio together. So it is partly automated. And then I put together a bio, which is either a short form or a long form, depending on the need. And uh, most of the people go for long form because LinkedIn is a great avenue. And today, if you Google your name, uh, LinkedIn is in the first five searches. So uh, that has taken off in a big way. And the best way to contact me is obviously look me up on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm Surbi Dadia everywhere. Uh, also my website, uh, digitalgenie.co and uh, jotmybio.com. So these are the places you can look me up. And, uh, you so, know. So working professionals, if you're watching this and uh, if you want a better job, uh, contact Surbi, go to her uh, LinkedIn profile and uh, go to jotmybio.com and then uh, she can write in your, your profile for you. Um, and this can be a life changer, right? <laughs> because this is this is so important. I mean, yeah. the, what are those like pivotal moments in one's life, right? When you change a job mm-hmm. and you get a better thing, you position yourself right and you get into a, uh, you know, into a new position and then Right. Life uh, takes a different direction altogether. Yeah, I think even meeting, right? Like if you're if you're a professional who wants to grow himself or herself, uh, I mean, if you're not changing jobs even, but if you're in a role where you're meeting executives and you want to showcase what you bring to the table, people are going to look you up before meeting anyone. Even going to a restaurant today, we Google it up. So even meeting people, we want to Google them up and see... Uh, who they are and when you google just just do one thing after this episode just type in your name in google search bar and look at what comes and if it doesn't show who you are or how you are i think that's the time for you to contact me <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and uh so we 
there is a uh, there is a little this or that section that uh-huh. we're going to go into where I'll ask you some questions on uh, you know give you two choices and you give me what you prefer and why. Okay. So, Thirty seconds each. Okay. Let's start with. Is there a coffee hamper that I get for getting? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so. Um, Waking up at 4 a.m. or going to bed at 4 a.m.? What's your style? Oh, I'm a morning person. A 4 a.m., clear choice, yes. <laughs> yeah. I am a big believer of, uh, you know, circadian rhythm. You just need to have a, your biological clock uh, matched with the circadian rhythm, which is like the location you are in, you just rise with the sun and go off uh, with the sunset. I, I feel... Um, that kind of gets uh, allows so you know if you think of your body as one of the tools that help you do what you do I think uh, getting up early and I'm a mother so if I can pack in like 30 hours a day that will be like the ideal but yeah I think if I get up earlier than my children I can take off a lot of load of my morning uh, this so yeah yeah great when it comes to and this is a question about networking Mm -hmm. million dollars or million people, network of million people, what would you prefer? Hmm, tough one, yeah, that is really tough. I think uh, now that I'm in Dubai and uh, your referral works like wonders, I think uh, 100 million people. Because that's going to bring me that $100 million anyways, yes. And probably more. Yeah, definitely. Okay, and when it comes to networking, Mm -hmm. do you believe in... Uh, being a part of multiple networks, as many networks as possible, or being a part of a few networks and being actively involved in those networks. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely the second one, uh, go few, but, you know, contribute more. Uh, Also, I feel that um, in Dubai, there is a lot of emphasis on networking, generally in the business world, and there is a lot of option out there. Not everything is going to suit your needs. So, did I try everything? Did I go and check out? Yes, I did my, you know, market research really. And then uh, I choose to be a part of a smaller, fewer networks, which give me more value. And it is a two-way commute because I think networking is really a two-way street. You need to give, give, give before you can get. So, yeah. Great. And uh, looking back at your journey, Mm -hmm. like, you know, from from the little girl, uh, you know, uh, growing up in Mumbai to the entrepreneur that you've become, are there any uh, are there any people on, you know, that you want to give the credit to, of course, yourself, Mm -hmm. uh, other than uh, yourself, like, are there anybody, you know, are there any people that you want to give credit to? I think there is always these, I mean, if you reflect back so far, the journey, right, if you reflect back, and when you reflect only that time you think oh the puzzle makes sense right like before you fell in place place. I think from the beginning it was um, kind of uh, destined that I would become an entrepreneur uh, because uh, be it school be it college I was always at the forefront in some way like being in locution competition organizing community events even in the building the holy would be you know, organized yeah. by me, something like that. So I always find myself doing that for others. So uh, I feel there are pe- people who play that role in in order for you to, uh, you know, solve your puzzle, really. So obviously parents, because, you know, being in Mumbai and a nuclear family allowed me to, that emphasis on education, all of that helped. Then, you know, the partner that you choose, uh, the people that you work with, and there are and umpteen number of people but there are these catalysts who kind of switch that 
that on the 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 first people that I met in Dubai and the trust that they had because I had worked with them in the past and that switched on this part for me that I need not really run from like you know because applying for jobs after being in a different country and a region in this region was a very different experience culturally mm. where in that region I was at you know like the sought after in that sense because you know there were always opportunities coming to me here I was uh, trying to grab them so it was the supply demand right yeah. and here the culture is very different than in Asia so a long curve but then you have those catalysts who switch on and I think yeah. one thing uh, as a credit really is um, the mindset that you adopt right like you say that okay you know because there is always so many things that you can do in this world and there is always so many negativity that can hit you yeah. but that mindset and that openness to embrace the opportunities at the time maybe you know you meet somebody just for a coffee and that person may just open that idea in your brain and just you know yeah. so there are umpteen number of people there's not but credit yes definitely to a lot of people who have been those catalyst and that openers for me brilliant brilliant one last question uh so as we wind up here you, you're a podcaster yourself mm-hmm how was your experience being on the beer room boss podcast oh my gosh wonderful <laughs> firstly i should say that this has been my first uh, like in person oh, okay. uh, podcast that i have done uh, i mean as an interview because i've given a lot of interviews in the past it is my always been international because podcast community is such an international and wonderful open community so you end up doing a lot of interviews um and talking about your story to inspire others uh, and i think the opportunity that it gave me today to present my story to your audience so thank you this has been brilliant and how can audience check out your podcast what's your oh uh, yeah podcast? so my podcast uh, is called the making of a thought leader um and uh, the the target audience or the reason that i came across i mean put together this podcast is for entrepreneurs who forget to tell their stories and they are just in the rut of closing business building the business and i think there is a lot of money left at the table if you don't tell your story so personal brand and building your personal brand is really great absolutely yeah yeah and podcast is is a great way of yeah it is it is i think because the number one i if i can put it put a stat, statistics to it in my research i may have met like 110 or 20 entrepreneurs like through networking or whatever and if i would just go and ask them this uh, question what is uh, what is easier for you to write a blog pen your thoughts or to speak hmm. 80% of them said uh, speak so if all your other entrepreneurs are able to speak and i think the other question would be like do you would you like to face a video i mean a camera or you are comfortable just talking on the phone so they would say talking on the phone then that voila like you know podcast is the best way to go so i think most of the entrepreneurs and i think as a industry podcast is also kind of booming yeah. uh, there is a lot more um, excitement around it and i think the timing is really great to you know because as, as a podcast you can listen doing other things driving or Absolutely. whatever this is so, one thing that i always tell my audience <laughs> that you know if you can't watch the video yeah. listen to it on listen. spotify exactly you know, because this this content goes on all on youtube as well as on spotify apple podcast google right. podcast everywhere absolutely and my podcast really does that i i try and bring in uh, experts who would mm. do only linkedin or build businesses on linkedin so they would give tips 
of how do you use that tool and as an entrepreneur you have only that much time so how do you like get the best bang of the buck when you have that little time but to build your brand so that's the emphasis of the podcast brilliant brilliant surbi thank you so much for sharing your journey and your story with us thank it was you. such a wonderful conversation absolutely my pleasure thank you i really appreciate this opportunity thank you so ladies and gentlemen boys and girls that was surbi dedia the founder of digital genie and you've been watching and listening to be your own boss oh, oh, oh.